Hey, Jackson! I have excellent news! You're quite chipper. What's up, B? You know how we said that we needed to get some new equipment? We want to deck out the office, like, make it a little bit better, up the sound quality. Right, right, right? Yep, yep. Well, so I know we are a little short on cash, but I just made the deal of a lifetime. What'd you do? What'd you... Okay. We are now the proud... What's the word? What's a good word? Proprietors? Yeah. We are the proud proprietors of Homegrown Hotels. Brought to you by the Marriott Group. We own hotels now? Yeah. Well, we don't own them per se, but I also like... We're franchising hotels now? Yeah. You remember when they did the Nickelodeon Hotel like with the Holiday Inn? Yeah, it's like that. Well, nothing could go it, wrong. It's just like that. Yep, nothing could go wrong. B, we're so fucked. Yep. Uh, so I, I already did all the necessary stuff. Whoa, we're good. what is this all? What is, you this is hand our contract. Did you already sign this? Yep. You forged my signature. I sure did. Okay. Uh, I'm. Uh, I need a lawyer probably, but I'm here. See, I see a list of amenities that's also included in this. Um, there's an all-you-can-eat red hot dog buffet. That seems excessive. There's a moxie pool. There's a, a moxie pool. Hell it's yes. Olympic sized and has uh-huh. three diving boards. It's amazing, right? This that's is, just, that's going to be a mess to clean up. Do you know what that's going to do to the filters? That's awful, B. This is not going to be sustainable. Like, and the all the rooms are themed, but not in themes that you want to be in part. This sounds like a kink dungeon over here. It's like, <laughs> enjoy your time in the in the steel palace. Where you can sleep in the not-so-comfortable Iron Maiden. Look, yeah, but like, look at this one. This one's really cool. This one's based on the sewer where Pennywise lives. I think that's cool. It's a constant dripping, you will never get out of your head, is the tagline. Yep. Oh my god. I think it's great. This could be great for us. Why didn't we just buy the mics? <laughs> Welcome to Homegrown Horror. I like that uh, that deep resonation you're going with today. <laughs> I am Jackson, the co-host. I'm Bea, co-host. And this is the main spooky podcast about main spooky... The main spooky podcast about main, <laughs> main spooky, spooky things. Uh, true crime, horror, all those very juicy topics. This is our second recording of the day, so... Here we are. Here we are. We don't really have much to talk about. We already talked about what our what was I mean, going on with us. Yeah, the other thing I can say is yesterday I also got my um, second booster. Got and boosted. I, I do feel like I've been hit by a truck. I don't know if you can tell. Probably not. Yeah, B was just walking in here with her water bottle. Um, <laughs> and she was like, I can't hold this. Yeah, <laughs> I had to switch arm. hands because I was like, ow. <laughs> my band-aid has little crabs and a turtle butt on it. Yeah, no, that's probably the best thing about Yeah, I was very that. happy because the, the... But you're not the feeling lady... sick or anything? Just kind of sore? No, I'm really sore. Like, yeah. I... my Like, the headache is coming... I had a really bad headache last night. It's kind of coming back. I'm just trying to stay hydrated. I'll probably go to sleep <laughs> when you leave. Totally fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, my arm is really fucking sore. I bet, man. Yeah, that that um, it's a deep ache that you feel. Yeah, like yeah. it feels like it's kind of going across my clavicle, like into my other shoulder too. But I, you know, it's just like 
I'm just trying to do my due diligence. I want to stay healthy. I haven't had COVID yet. I know a lot of people have gotten it, and it's yep. not necessarily, quote unquote, not bad now, but I can't really. I, had it back, I don't want to risk yeah, it. I had it back in December, and it was a rough couple days. Like, I just yeah. slept for five days straight. Yeah. Um, and then it was like sort of sleeping for most of the time. All on Christmas. Yeah, the thing is, like, I just, I don't want to. I've bet like I I get sick really easily and it's yeah. just one of those other things where I'm like I don't want to get sick. <laughs> I just don't want to get sick. <laughs> so I do all the things. I try and t- do all the things so that way then I ginger, have less of a chance. Ginger turmeric shots every 20 minutes. Yep. Um elderberry syrup. Mhm. Microgreen bath. Echinacea. Echinacea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I try and I get all of the things. <laughs> well, your wife has quite the apothecary. Yeah, literally. We yeah. were just saying we have to... Because I was like, I can't find my bacopa and holy basil. <laughs> I have a tincture. <laughs> that's what I use for my anxiety. Um, and because I'm very fortunate. I'm super fortunate that I don't have to take anything for my anxiety anymore. It's down to a manageable level that I just have to take a tincture as needed. Yeah. Um, and I feel very lucky for that, but yeah, I can't find it. <laughs> usually it's because I put it in, I usually put it in like one of our like to go bags. Gotcha. So because I like to like, bring it with me. Might've mixed it around between, between the two. Yeah. Cause I've got like, point. we have like two backpacks. Allegra has a backpack. I have a backpack. Sometimes we swip swap. So it's probably in there, but yeah. Uh, also my wife has a podcast about plants. <laughs> if, if, if you're interested in this. Check out the forest bath podcast. Talk. Yeah. The Forest Bath Podcast. She just talked. She just did an interview about uh, with a seaweed farmer in Machias. I think I met, we've mentioned this before, but it's really cool. And she's planning on doing more. And yeah, I like yeah. my wife does a lot for us. She does. Yeah, um. <laughs> she's our social media manager. Yeah, and like she does. She makes all the posts. She yep. writes up the. Po- oh my god. So she wrote up the post for the Catherine Cornish episode. Number one, she's like, fuck, I misspelled Catherine. So then she had to go back and redo it. And then she like went to go check something and then she came back and Instagram deleted the whole post. Yeah, I've heard of this happen. This is not the first time it's happened. Yeah, because that's why I didn't want to do it anymore. Because it's like you spend all this time working on it and then all of a sudden it's Inst- gone. Yeah, Instagram ate it. And yeah. it's really frustrating. So she does that now and um, I am very thankful for that because um, as fun as it can be to like also answer questions, I also get really anxious mm-hmm. when someone responds. I'm like, oh, I don't want to scare him away. <laughs> Love me. Come back. Okay. <laughs> I just want acceptance. Yeah, uh, we've had a lot of interactions lately with True Crime New England. Oh, we have? Yeah, they're great. And then uh, Morbid, uh, yeah. Macabre family. Macabre family. Macabre family, who is a... We love Macabre family. Yeah, they're wonderful. So... They were like one of the first people that reached out to us. Yeah. We still have yet to... I know. It's (laughs) because her life has been super busy. Our life has been super busy. So, um, it's... Yeah, I really like... I do that. I do like that aspect of sharing with other people in the community and being like... You know, supporting them and doing fun stuff. That's the one thing I like about doing social media. The rest of it's too stressful to me. No, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why neither of us do it. (laughs) I do my Reddit. I do my part on Reddit. You troll the Reddit forums. I troll the Reddit forums. You troll to forums. (laughs) But, uh... 
Speaking of segues, oh god, we're going to be talking about our case. So if you listened to the last episode, we kind of did a little hyping up, I guess, of this episode because this is a bit rough. This is a bit rough, and also kind of graphic and also gross. this ha- we both chose the same case, and yep. then this happened to be both of our backup cases. <laughs> exactly. This was one that I started off researching, and I was like. I didn't want to be too much of a bummer leading into like October necessarily uh, because we have a lot of fun with October. You know, we're going to we're going to try to do more anyway. Yeah. Really lean into the spookiness of the uh, of the season. But yes. I think that this is a pretty horrifying case and September being the second spookiest month of the year. Yeah. You know, I felt eventually it's, I did think okay, this is appropriate, I suppose. It's also I think it's been you know, it's we haven't had a lot of super uh we haven't had a lot of true crime cases no we lately. haven't no we haven't so we're switching specifically murder mm-hmm. so we're going to be talking about a um yeah just to kind of preface this we're going to be talking about the 2012 case of three people being found inside of a burning car at the bangor industrial park bangor i did it did you notice that in the It audiobook, he says banger? He he says, he switches between them. Yeah. I noticed it a couple times. The I was first just time like, he said banger, I thought I was going to have an aneurysm. <laughs> Why are you so, what, who cares? Who cares if this it's guy says it, it like it's that? It's because it's like, I'm like, did Stephen King not have an approval? Stephen King lives in Bangor. Yeah. So you... The man need, like, where's the quality more, control? Okay, so you're more upset that, like, they're disrespecting... It's for me, I'm like, this is a Stephen like, King novel. This is he lives home. in Bangor. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking say Bangor. Dear Fucking God. Okay, we're in Bangor. We're in Bangor. And I, I'm i just going to, you know, spoil... Well, just a trigger warning B, I might say Bangor at some point. I might do it. Just don't kill me, okay? <laughs> so, on August... Calling up Pennywise. August 13th, 2012, 3.30 a.m., a white 2001 Pontiac Grand Prix was discovered in the Bangor Industrial Park. I almost said banker. <laughs> the three bodies were discovered, but they were completely burned beyond all recognition. Um, so they've been burning for a while. They had burnt at a high intensity. Yeah. And for a good chunk of time. Like, um... As far as the details of how the burning started, like they got a little bit of footage on camera and it was pretty quick, like the car lighting up. Oh, shit. Yeah. So it was um, the chief medical examiner that was on this case did review like what might have happened to the bodies before the burning. And he did find two of the victims suffered um, bullets to the head. While the third one was severely disfigured from the burning, but the chief medical examiner determined that this one was bashed extensively in the head. So there was significant head trauma that he had surmised from the body. But so they were, this was to get, this was to destroy evidence. This was, this seemed like it was a motive to cover, yeah, cover up the murder itself. Get rid of evidence, not tie anybody to this. Um, It's pretty rough. And what also was discovered inside of the Pontiac, um, there was remnants of a balloon container and uh, heavy petroleum distillate. 
uh, specifically a diesel range product. It's probably used to light up. So I want to first talk about the people that are involved. The three bodies that were discovered were Nicole Ludgan, Daniel Borders, Lucas Toscano. All three are from Maine. And they're all within their mid-20s. They're all within their mid-20s. I just, sorry, I'm yeah. looking at your notes. So Nicole's 24, Daniel's 26, Lucas is 28. Mm. Um, yeah, they're all pretty young overall. Mm-hmm. Now, every article that I looked up mentioned that, talked about this as if it was like just purely like a drug dealing gone wrong almost Mm -hmm. but looking at the court records it's actually a little bit more nuanced than just a drug deal but the thing that news i have noticed seemed to point out the most is that everybody has some kind of drug related conviction um in their arrest record like some more than others Mm -hmm. um some have like a little bit of minor kind of convictions But I just thought it was a little bit callous to like read through an article and like one of the main points is like, oh, this person was convicted of uh, having marijuana back in like a couple years ago. It's just like, okay, who gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just. Even articles that like went into the humanity of these people and like talked about them a little bit more, you know, still started off pretty shallow. Yeah. It still always started off with like they had a drug like conviction because that that's all they are is their drug convictions yeah and that kind of like that did upset me because we do a lot to just like show oh the decisions that this person made at the time are going to define them for the rest of their life and we shouldn't trust them or anything all they are are convicts all they are yeah like addicts like there's nothing else we can do for them they've already made their choice so yeah what a compassionate state um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the victims first. So Nicole um, was a person that actually volunteered a lot. She would work with, um, she volunteered as a dog handler, and she would also work a lot with kids with disabilities in her community. You know, she was just 24 years old, pretty young. She had a pretty extensive family, but she went to church, it seemed like, and, you know, left behind people. Daniel had a kid. Like, there wasn't much information I could find about Daniel, but, you know, he he wasn't married. He had a girlfriend, and he had a kid. Supposedly, he would like to take his son and show it off to his friends. Like, hey, I got this kid. <laughs> look at this thing I made. It just It's like, look at my son. <laughs> <laughs> and then Lucas Toscano, you know, again, not a whole lot of information about him, but he was a big, look at this fun guy. Yeah. He's a big smiley boy. Uh, he liked the outdoors, camping, mud runs, Bud Light, that's in his obit, <laughs> and Country Gold Saturday Nights. He just kind of seemed like a funny guy. You know, he was described yeah. as humorous and a good riot. And it's like, I, I come, like, it's interesting because I know that you're pulling from the ob- the obituaries and it's yeah. hard because, like, there there's a degree of privacy and it's, yeah. it's not, like, it is nice that their families were able to share that sort of humanity but also, it can only go so far because, like, you don't want to share too much because then we're all you know. works in progress. You know, at the end yeah. of the day, none of nobody's perfect. Um, we're not going to be right a hundred percent of the time. Like, we could all have good intentions about what we're doing, but still be in the wrong. You know, absolutely. And also, the, we've talked about. We've also talked about because we've done a couple of cases that involve um, 
drugs being at the center of crimes and things like that, it, one, the thing about drugs is, like, it, it can affect people and you wouldn't, like, I just think of, like, the opioid crisis and yeah. things like that. It's not like people choose to get into drugs a lot of the time. It could just be a choice that you make and it affects you for the rest of your life. Or it could be, like, you have a surgery and now you're addicted to yeah. an opioid. Like, there are so many different things. But, like, I, I people lose their humanity when we talk about drugs. Because that just reminds me of, like, the whole thing with the Narcan. And people are like, well, why should we have Narcan? They made a choice. They, they, they should just die. It's That's, so fucking frustrating. It's just so fucking so, and, callous. And I, I'm sorry if, like, what I'm saying, just I'm just trying really hard to put my thoughts into words. Yeah. And I'm hoping I'm saying the right thing. But for me, it's just, like, having had people in both my family and in Allegra's family that have been affected by drug use is... It, it, it just... <sighs> No one is immune to having it touch their lives, is all I want to say. That's true. I mean, like, I agree. People are put into the situation where drugs just become involved in their life. It's usually people who are in a desperate situation, in bad environments, are just trying to, like, get control or escape from whatever's facing them. It's like, it's... And from their family's perspective... You know, all three of these people were, they had families, they had loved ones, they had, they had their likes, they had their dislikes, they were fun people, like, they had senses of humor, and I thank you for putting that up front, I appreciate that. Yeah, so, now we're going to be talking about the case itself, we're going to get into this, though, unfortunately, these people's lives were cut short this way. So we're going to start with talking about the two individuals that were uh, put away for this crime. We're going to start with in Rhode Island on August 11th, 2012. So just a few days before the bodies were found, just two days before. Um, Sexton was renewing. Who? Who is Sexton? Sorry. Nicholas Sexton. Thank you. Who is a 36-year-old or 33-year-old individual from Rhode Island. Thank you. <laughs> and then we're also going to be talking about a Randall Dayluz or Daluz, Dayluz, Randall Dayluz, who is 36-year-old, 36 years old from Brockhampton, Massachusetts, I believe. Okay. Um, now that I'm caught up. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, all my notes have like last names. Uh, Sexton, on August 11th, 2012, in Rhode Island, he was renewing his rental agreement for the White Pontiac that was discovered at the scene. Later, Sexton drove to Massachusetts to pick up Dayluz. Um, Dayluz left his girlfriend on that day, said that he was going to be going off for work. The two then were going north to Maine, to Brewer, um, where they were going to be... Um, meeting up with two of the individuals that were, uh, well, one of the individuals that was um, found at the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were going to meet up with Borders and his girlfriend, who is also the sister to Nicole. Okay. Yeah. Uh, her name's not included within these records, just for privacy. Yeah. Uh, Ludgan has a history of purchasing drugs from Sexton, 
so uh, Nicole does, and so does Borders, and so does the girlfriend. They've known each other for some time. These two will make the trip up and sell whatever they have. Um, on this trip, they have Percocets, cocaine, um, and something else. We'll get there. I have that available in the notes. While they had this relationship going for some time, maybe a couple months, um, the frequency of the visits were getting less, and Lugden and Borders were reaching out less and less to contact uh, Dayloose and Sexton, because actually um, Lugden was finding other connections in their neighborhood that were of better quality and different. At least that was said through the notes. So the relationship is straining between okay. these individuals at this point. So they were displaying uh, heroin, Percocets, and cocaine for sale. So pretty hard drugs. These guys are pretty serious. With them, they're also carrying two guns. Uh, there is a silver gun with a rounded barrel, and then a smaller, darker gun with two holes on it. So we don't know. We don't know what they are specifically. That's just how they're described. I actually do have um, the specific guns here hold on let me just i'm sorry i just saw your note off to the side (laughs) talk about the gun (laughs) it's interesting seeing how you do your notes compared to how i do mine sometimes i'll like type things and then other times i'm copying pasting stuff just because like a lot of the times when i write my notes it's not in a really particular order i write an essay (laughs) i'll throw stuff on a paper i'll read it myself and then i like retain information and just talk about it (laughs) it's how i've done things for a while i don't recommend it (laughs) no i just think it's really interesting so the two guns specifically are davis industries d32 derringer pistol and a jimenez ja3 380 pistol um so the derringer was the silver gun while the jimenez was the darker pistol the smaller one yeah Uh, They and uh, we'll get into sort of that uh, extra bit of information later. Okay, where was I? The guns. We were at the drugs deal. Okay, so borders. His girlfriend. They're in this hotel room. They're you know interacting with Deleuze and Sexton. the conversation gets a little bit hostile, gets a little bit heated because, you know, they're not really wanting to buy anything. But Borders tells his girlfriend, hey, just buy a little cocaine just to keep them happy. And then let's just let's just bounce. Yep. Um, but Sexton did approach um, the sister at the at the meet up here and cornered her, got mad, asked asked her where Nicole was getting her supplies. He's pretty upset by the fact that he's not really making much out of the sale, you know? Mm -hmm. So they're going to be sticking around, I think, try to load off their product. Um, The boarders and uh, the sister did leave. So on August 12th, then Sexton and Deleuze, they didn't really have a successful uh, sale like the previous day, but then they're meeting up with a friend in Dedham and uh, the friend is renting a room above a garage from a homeowner that lives on site. 
they meet up together and they end up driving over to Bangor and uh, the friend helps book a hotel room for uh, Sexton and Deleuze at the Ramada Inn, you yeah. know, height of hotels. I'd say when it comes to roadside hotels, Ramada's all right. Ramada's fine. Yeah, I, well, I've been to the, uh, you know, your... Uh, motel sixes and the motel eights and all that shit i've been to those trucker motels oh god they're all terrible the worst is a ho is a motel i like motels that have like smoking sections the smoking section in any motel is the most depressing and like terrifying hallway to be in <laughs> the last motel i was in I was like four years old in Kissimmee, Florida. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awful. Uh, Laramie Motel 6, your place needs to burn down. <laughs> <laughs> so the three individuals got, this, uh, got their room at the Ramada. Then they went out to a bar. And at the bar um, on that evening... Lugden, Nicole herself, and Borders were at an apartment on Bowling Drive in Bangor selling drugs. Uh, they had their own kind of system going, going. on here. So, mm-hmm. um, but they were uh, well specifically when they mean they were at a house selling drugs, they meant they went to go visit a customer in person. They weren't just they operating. were making they were making a house call. Yeah, they were making a house call. Uh, but also selling to other people that were coming mm-hmm. by. So it was like a kind of a party, kind of a gathering thing, and they were like just selling yep. in and out. Um, but they were trying to get some Percocet for their customer, so Borders ends up calling and texting Sexton to try to get the Percocet that he was trying to sell the next day. But then another individual named, well, we'll talked about him already, Lucas Toscano, shows up with Percocet for the customer. So then Borders calls and say, hey, cancel the transaction. We don't need this. And he gets super mad. Nicholas is super pissed about the situation and is kind of like getting a little antsy at the bar. He's like visibly upset. Um, Around 10.30 or 11 p.m., Sexton told the friend that they had that he and Delos would be right back. But they did not return to the bar at all that re- the rest of the evening. At 11 p.m. back on Bowling Drive where Ludgan and uh, Toscano and Borders are, there was a knock on the front door. At the front door was Nicholas Sexton with uh, his hood drawn up. Um, and, you know, he was like pulled on the yep. tie, so his like, face was kind of like, you know, smushed up. Yes. <laughs> I think people look really funny when they like have the hoods. But like, it's probably because the... Try to, like, get a little concealment. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of concealment, Allegra and I were driving to our doctor's appointment yesterday, and Allegra glanced back in the rear view mirror, and there was a person wearing a ski mask in the car behind us. Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> it was a bright orange one, but Allegra was just like, what's up, my dude? There, there he is. I found him. What Maybe. the fuck? Did he have his windows rolled down? Was he cold or something? <laughs> I don't He's just practicing wearing a ski mask. It was really weird. Maybe he's like a vigilante, you know? He's like starting off. Ski mask man. Ski mask man. Well, they all start with a ski mask usually, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's what Kick-Ass did, right? Yeah, Kick-Ass, he starts with a ski mask and then gets absolutely fucked up, I think. Yes. But yeah, speaking of concealment. 
so, so he was he had his hood up, had the drawstrings down, looked a little silly. I wonder it if it's more because. I feel like obviously the the people that he's dealt with before they're gonna know it's him. Mm-hmm. It's probably more for the people, people who may be watching or right. people, other people that are in this house where they're like, we don't, we can't give a description. Well, for more like sketchiness, um, the person that lived at that apartment answered the door, asked who he was, and Nicholas said his name was Mike. So yeah, he's, so it's he's it's being it's sketch. <laughs> it's to yeah, it's definitely yeah. he. It sounds like he intends to do something to these people, and he's trying to leave as little traces as possible. Yeah, but uh, Sexton approaches Borders and asks him if he wants to go smoke a blunt. Sure. <laughs> yeah, very, very just like very chill. chill. It's like yeah, sketchy Yay. guy. Let's go smoke some drugs. Um, Ludgan invites herself. That's what people said. Ludgan, <sighs> Nicole invited herself and then asked Toscano to come along with them. Um, nobody saw Deleuze at the door. It was just Sexton. It was just Sexton. Presumably Deleuze would be in the car. Um, but nobody could actually see into the car. So shortly after the three individuals left the house, um... The people that were staying, at, that lived at their apartment, were trying to text and call Ludgan and Borders because other people were arriving trying to buy drugs. And, you know, nothing could happen unless they were there. Uh, they never answered. Uh, multiple calls went out, but they're eventually the all calls started going straight to voicemail. Also kind of interesting is that um, the owner of the house in Dedham where, you know, the friend yep. like that took him to Vermont was at, the person that owned that house noticed a car driving pretty slowly by his area, but noticed a few days later that a blue can of diesel fuel was missing from his garage. So does he know if it was the Pontiac or is he assuming that that's, it was them? Um, it's pretty clear that it had to, they had to be related yeah. to that because it was like that was the same container that was found at the scene this guy's container was missing okay so it's like putting it together i don't know if you could straight up prove that that, that that's it was what it was exactly that yeah but i think it's pretty way too similar to be like just a coincidence um so what was interesting about this case that i found is that there was a lot of tracking of cell phone locations yeah. Because they were trying to prove that Sexton and Deleuze were together at all times. And also that they were moving to different areas around where, you know, the car was found, this apartment that they're going to, the yeah. house, uh, the Ramada Inn that they were staying at, just to track their movements and yeah. kind of One of my that. favorite podcasts, Let's Go to Court, They, as they always say, Cell phones go ping, cell phone towers go pong. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something people don't think about. No, it's not. Because like um, we like to believe that we actually have real privacy. But no. we don't. Everybody. No, we know your you approximate location. We know exactly where you are pretty much. You know, like, yeah, GPS can get your signal down within a good few feet of wherever you might be so Mm -hmm. and also like even if you stop receiving signals like they'll be able to be like well this is the most recent this this was the last place and that's what they did it's like they found the victim's phones went dead at a certain time in the evening they found that you know dailies and nicholas were within the area of where the pontiac was found 
around three in the morning. Here to four. <laughs> so it was pretty clear that it was like, okay, you were in these same zones, though. Mm-hmm. So around 3.30, um, Deleuze was picked up by taxi at the Ramada Inn, and he was dropped off at a friend's house where he stayed there for about a day or two. Then Deleuze left Bangor to go down to Massachusetts. Sexton stayed around and asked his girlfriend to bring uh, herself and the kids uh, to Maine, uh, citing it as an opportunity to spend time together. But when the family arrived, they immediately left. Um interesting yeah does the girlfriend know that he's selling drugs and that's like why he's up in maine i don't know actually i don't know if she was unaware of this situation i would assume that's pretty hard to hide but i saw breaking bad you know (laughs) yeah i'm just wondering if like that's part if part of the reason why she got like she went up there and then she was like oh you know what no something's not right he was upset when the family did show up so i think she was aware something must have happened Happened, and she was like i'm not staying as far as like what else happened like she might have been able to figure out who knows um so those guns that i mentioned they're actually found. Uh, the two guns that Sexton, they ditched them. They did ditch them. Okay. They ditched both of them specifically, which I find interesting. Um, they found those. Those guns were actually found by a, a metal detectorist, a detectorist, if you. Will. Oh. Yeah. Along uh, the Penobscot River in Bangor. Um, like, have. as part of a search, or just, like, as something that they... Like, think, this it was is just, just somebody that it was just does, a dude. Yeah. does this. Yeah, it was just a guy. I, <laughs> I believe that, uh, yeah, it was just a guy using a metal detector. It's on the Penobscot River. He found the two guns. He also found several rounds of ammunition and a cell phone that Sexton had purchased. A burner phone, if you will. Mm-hmm. Suppose if you're selling drugs, you should have a burner phone. So things moved kind of quickly after this. You know, both of the individuals were uh, indicted for three counts of murder and one count of arson. So was it what? What was it that kind of nailed them? It was um, kind of the thing that kind of nailed them through the trial, and we can yeah just kind of like condense this because there's been a lot of weird move there was a lot of weird movement with it they ended up having um both of them do a trial uh, together but interesting yeah so they tried them at the same time you know but they handed you know different sentences to them um what was interesting about the trial primarily was that deluge did not provide any comment at all he was like pleading the fifth he was not incriminating himself he was not choosing to speak you know he wasn't giving any details while sexton's defense team uh, sexton was going up and talking about the situation and pinning everything on deluge saying deluge coerced me to wow this sounds this. familiar yeah who we literally just did this <laughs> deluge coerced me to do all this mm-hmm. um and he was being really aggressive which and is interesting making because, me murder people yeah because we know that yeah. he's the one that got out of the car like deluge stayed in the car and interesting okay what was also a little off uh what was off about the situation too was that um 
the specific points of where the bodies were found to be shot, which was just behind the left ear, um, was not consistent with the testimony that Sexton was providing for how the bodies were shot. So gotcha. he's probably like throw trying to throw that off. That's like, okay, well, why are you being like weird about how the bodies are found yeah. to be shot? So it's like, yeah, that sort of it it puts a kind of dent in his plans. Later in terms on, of... yeah, and like later on too, Randall will also be like. Hey, Sexton, it was all Sexton. Like, yeah. he was the guy that did all of it. Like, it was all his fault. Well, yeah, if yeah. that's the... That, I mean, yeah, they're just kind of throwing each other under the bus, which I found interesting that it wasn't, like, a matter of the two lawyer teams kind of, like, equally defending each other. It was more of just, like, my client, fuck you. I think that happens a lot more frequently than you would think. Yeah. Well, I because haven't seen that's... many, like, double trials of Yeah, people. they they don't do it usually, I think, also be- because of that. It's like, it then becomes, it muddies it too much. Yeah. Where it's like, that's what it becomes. And it's not an issue of, are these men both, are these people both guilty? It's like, okay, which one has a better case for throwing the other one under the bus? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I it kind of was that it felt like, but at any rate, Dayluz was given three counts of murder, one count of arson, so he got three life sentences basically, mm-hmm. and Nicholas also got uh, ninety years, basically a life sentence for him. Um, he got a count of murder, count of arson. Yeah, so both of them are getting arson. And is it he's not getting attributed to all of the killings? Interesting, right? I feel like there has to be some kind of I, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not a lawyer, I guess, you know, so I felt like there should be more about the fact that he is going along with this, you know? Yeah, like that would have more weight to the situation. Now, both of these folks, of course, tried to appeal at some he, point. Sexton, yeah. Sexton went ahead and said, my lawyers suck, you know? Uh, Randall You're, basically dude, also wait, said wait. the same thing. I feel like I feel like at least Sexton can say, like, they should have told me not to go up. Right, yeah, there, there could have been a bit of that. I feel like most lawyers, unless you have, like, very compelling evidence, are going to say, please do not. Mm-hmm. Don't go on the stand. Yeah, don't go on because the stand. Because if you fuck up. But Randall also complained, or Dayluz also complained in his appeals and like in the future, how, like, he said they were making racial comments that I thought were disparaging at the time and probably like altered the juror's opinion of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also said the team was also using the fact that I wasn't saying anything against me. Pointing to the fact that that's hey, interesting. Hey, he's super sketchy. He's not even saying shit. It's like that's look interesting because that that's literally the opposite of what I was just like. The thing most of the time you don't want to talk. <laughs> yeah, but in this because case, that that was his problem. Was like I should have talked. That was his thought. I suppose yeah, because then if especially if they're trying to paint him in a certain light, if the other team is trying to paint the the uh, you know uh, if. Sexton's lawyers are trying to paint him in a specific light, mm-hmm. then that does color it. Whereas, like, normally you just have your lawyer 
and the prosecution and you hope that your lawyer does a better job of painting a picture because there are some people that will go and they will testify themselves. They'll go on the stand. Yeah. And their personalities just rub people the wrong way and they're like, huh. If you had to testify for something, you're being accused of murder, would you? Do you think you'd have a winning enough personality? I don't know. I probably just... if it, I assume I didn't commit this crime. I would just be crying a lot. <laughs> I would just be crying a lot and they would just have to... They would need a translator to yeah. get through the... <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's... Yeah, I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would. Yeah. But I know it's having looked at a lot of cases, most of the time is like, unless you have a really good lawyer, you're, a lot of times you're going to be damned if you do, damned if you don't. People are going to have opinions on you no matter how much you cry, no matter how much you don't cry, no matter right, how much you speak, right. no matter how much you don't speak. People are going to think whatever they want of you. And that's a, that's where that human the humanness of our court system comes in when you have a jury trial, even when you have a, a bench trial. Mm-hmm. If the judge thinks of you in a certain way, that, it's gonna it's gonna affect you, the, the yeah, way that... Yeah, I mean, it's like, you can say they're impartial all you want, but I mean, if they just straight up don't like you, it's like, they'll also, be impartial, you know, but also like... It's also, it's 2012. He's a black man, correct? Randall? Deleuze? Yeah. Uh, or is he... He seems Hispanic. Hispanic. Yeah. I mean, in, in either event, he just seemed... Like, when I saw the photos of him, he seemed more dark-skinned. I mm. didn't look into it beyond that. So that that's my bad. But um, I... In 2012, yeah. Like, Maine is predominantly white, especially where they are. Yeah. It's very easy, especially because, I mean, we we talked about it in the Christmas episode. There was another possibly drug-related murder. And we know the comments that our governor made at the time. Mm -hmm. So you can't say that that's not... Influencing that kind of opinion. It could be very probable because this is around the time where a lot of people are concerned that... People of color who are drug dealers are coming in and making trouble for the poor little Mainers. <laughs> like, that's a thing so, that people were... That, like, that was something that I found, unfortunately, in different public comment spaces. Oh, God. That's... Yeah, why'd wanna, you even look? I don't, My well, guy. Well, they, they found me. I didn't find you. <laughs> You weren't on Reddit. <laughs> I know. I didn't go on Reddit. I didn't find no. this on Reddit. But I so was that's like, I. There were, but listen. I'm not like, gonna say yes, and I'm not gonna say no. But you, I'm just saying. If you, if you just think about this everybody, time, yeah. this time period. But also, like the min, that's a minority. That's yeah. a minority of just hateful, stupid people. I know. Like, I'm not gonna say that this is the public opinion of everybody because no i I always absolutely not i'm just saying the sentiment is there at this time so he has i think he has a case for saying i am a man of color who is having a trial in a predominantly white state yeah and there's you know this sentiment and like he can point to 
you know, comments made by the governor, comments made by people, you know, he, he has that. Yeah. I'm just, I think I, that I, I kind of, I can see. Yeah. And him being like, well, if they had let me speak, I could have maybe swayed people into thinking like, I'm not just this mean mugging, silent man of color. <laughs> right. Who sells drugs. Yeah. Um, at any rate, uh, he said... I mean, he was involved he said, in a murder, so there's that. That's what I'm saying, is that he was involved in a murder. So regardless of yeah. who he is and what his racial background is, he still murdered somebody. So you... There's that. You pay yeah. the piper. Exactly. And, and it seems like, you know, they've got the cell phone records. They've got witness testimony. How did, like, I think I, did you say how they ended up, um, like, how the police ended up finding them or realizing it was them? They had uh, witnesses um, kind of, like, point out the inconsistencies of, like, okay, these are the last two people that these pe- people went off. Okay, like, so so there, there are witnesses that saw, like, Sexton and Daylouse throughout the night, so they were able to, like, say, hey, we think it's these guys. Okay, so but, it's pretty much And then catching like... them, it was obvious that, like, this is a car you rented, Sexton. Daylouse was with you. Like, I don't you know, know if they were able to link him to the guns. Like, yeah, okay. So well, it's, like, it's just sort with, of, like... Within, like, the... Um, but also within that span, as we saw, like, by finding the guns and also having the um, the sisters, uh, you know, the sister of yeah. Nicole so, talked about them having these specific guns and then finding them. Yeah. There was a lot of, it's why also, ditch it's, the guns? It's circumstantial, like, but it's very good, cir- it is very good circumstantial evidence. Well, it's kind of like, um, just like Daniel Wilkinson and the other folk, where it's like, we've talked about oh here's all these like coincidences circumstantial stuff it's like is that good enough it's like it's a lot of stuff that points to you and that's kind of the same instance of this it's like a lot of shit's pointing at you and also it's like uh within also like the pontiac the guns Mm -hmm. the missing fuel canister from the place that you were staying at at. it's a lot yeah i think it's enough to say and cell phones go ping cell phone towers go pong they can track your movements all the day long. That's the other half of what they say. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And that's what I'm saying is like, yeah. there's enough, I think, here to say, yeah, yeah, you did it. So, so their appeals didn't work, I assume. No, but last I heard, Sexton did another appeal in 2019. He was supposed to like have a couple weeks away for when he was going to like, he appealed that in October of 2019. Probably got held up by COVID. I didn't hear... It definitely uh, yeah. did. I didn't hear anything else of like following up on that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what's happened. Usually appeal, but I usually that means the appeal failed. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's also what I assumed. Was like, he's not out, yeah. It is... I feel like that it is kind of... It is, it is a shame mm-hmm. because there is so much more going on that again, we just sort of brand this as drug dealers killing drug dealers. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, yes, we understand. Like, I mean, you we talked about all of this. It's like Lugden, Toscano, Borders, they're all selling drugs too. It's yeah. like, and people just look at that and say, oh, everyone's bad. I'm sure people had things to say about that too. Yes, they did. <laughs> 
I, that's why I don't, I can't, I can't look at the comments on a lot of these things. I'm left with the comfort that it's just, you know, I, I think internet comments are always insane. Oh, they are. It's like, no matter kind of where you at. And, and then I also have to think of like, the people that are like talking online are a subset minority of like the rest of everybody else. It's like, it's like 10% of the population is actually commenting on them, online. You yeah. know, it's like, it's not representative. Um, anyway, so we spent a lot of time in Bangor, so we have to make another pit stop to our next mainism. Hey, hey, it's a mainism. Our guy, (laughs) our buddy, our pal. Mr. S. King. Have y'all, you've seen the Stephen King house before? Have you mm-hmm. been to the Stephen King house? Allegra has. I have not. Woo! I honestly have not spent a lot of time in Bangor outside of like having very specific appointments. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we had to drive up there to get Allegra's COVID vaccine. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> that's usually why I go up to Bangor. Up to Bangor is for vaccines. Like, or... or <laughs> There's something specific I'm going there for. I'm not really there to, you know. Allegra's sister lived in Bangor for a little bit, and Allegra helped her move in. Mm -hmm. So Allegra actually, like, spent time there when she would visit her sister. The Stephen King house is iconic. It's amazing. I can't believe that he would, like, just lean into the system. He does. I know that he also has other homes, so he's not here all the time. Yeah. I would imagine that living in a tourist attraction would probably get annoying for a famously recluse author. But if you y'all don't know what the Stephen King house, definitely take a look because my description is not going to do it justice. But we're talking about like old style kind of like colonial-esque it's more vi- modernized I think it's home. a little more Victorian. Victorian. The, you're right. Victorian. With, with the sort of tower the tur- here. Yeah, the turrets here, the tower and the roof slanting and the look of the windows. We're mm. looking at a Victorian-esque house on a beautiful wrought iron fence with spider webs and some bats on either side of the front gate. And then it's like surrounded by a beautiful hedge. A beautiful hedge when it's the right season for it. It's a beautiful house. It's a blood red, of course. Mm-hmm. And it's, then white it's, trim. It's a gorgeous house. It's huge and it is amazing. Um, but it's a it's a famous attraction. I don't know why he decided to make this <laughs> so obvious. It's like it's like he just has lights that say Stephen King. I wonder if anyone, if he's ever, like, if anyone's asked him in an interview about his house and if he's given it, like, it could just be his, because I think his other houses are not, they're not like this. No, they're very normal. Like, I've seen, I think he has, like, a Florida house or something, and I remember looking at so just I like, it was very basic. I don't know if he's like the house in my home state needs to reflect who I am inside. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of a well, you know, Stephen King's pretty up there, but this house will definitely stand the test of time. I wouldn't be surprised oh, if it, this is going to be the future Stephen King Museum is what it's going to be. It it totally is. I don't know if any of his kids would want to live here. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that, and also like I mean, think about it this way too. Uh, his son, Joe Hill, is also an author. Yeah. And so I found out, because when I was listening to the It audiobook, so it's, his name is like Joseph Hilson King. Mm-hmm. So he just shortened his middle Joe name Hill. to Joe Hill. And he did that because when he first started writing, he was like, 
everyone just recognizes King. Yeah. So that's the only reason I'm getting traction, and I don't. Exactly. Yeah. He wanted to. It's interesting. So the year before I worked at Books a Million, Joe Hill came out with Nosferatu, and sick. And he came to Books a Million, and Stephen King dropped in. Hey and that's there, why, <laughs> and but that's why um, he decided like when he came out with revival, there were only three. He there were like three three stores in New England that he wanted to go to, I believe, and mm-hmm. one of a one of them was ours mm-hmm. for the tour, and yeah, because he really he liked the way that they treated Joe. Yeah, they were like you know, and also it's in his home state, that sort of thing. I think he did one in Bangor because he kind of had to. That was the time. That was the time uh, when I said I cannot tell Stephen King he can't go home. <laughs> and why not? It's a beautiful home. Yeah, you want to live here. But it's, I, uh, I feel like I feel like you know, given Joe Hill's history of not wanting to be Stephen King's son and wanting to be Joe Hill, he would not want to live his life, the rest of his life. And the f- in the shadow, yeah, the literal father. shadow of his father yeah. in this house that is the Stephen King house. Of course. Fun fact also, same neighborhood that Susan Collins lives in. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Susan just... Which... I don't know. Have you ever seen Stephen King's Twitter? Uh, yeah, I've seen it. I don't think he likes Susan Collins. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he actually... Um, he took pictures of the sidewalk chalk. When they first appeared and was like, hey, look at this shit. (laughs) I was like, this is funny. (laughs) Rightfully so. You deserve everything. All the the hate and vitriol, Susan. (laughs) So, yeah. So, it's like, they're not, they're not good neighbors. I don't think they're having a casserole. Oh, they're not hanging out. I know. Maybe there was at some point that they would uh, hang out because it's a novelty, you know. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, not long lasting friends, that one. (laughs) I don't think so, no. But, uh, you know, it's always fun to uh, have a podcast with a friend. So thank you very much for listening to today's episode. As grim and dark as it was. Oh, it's rough. It's a rough, it's a rough time. But I believe that, is this the last? This is the last last episode episode for September. Aye, aye. So I think we should probably share some of our plans that we've got going here. Yeah, so... October is a big spooky month. We're, you know, you've heard us talk about we're doing a big episode, big episode. for Halloween. But we are going to wrap up season one with Halloween. So, and yeah, once we're past October, we're going to be out for about two months. Two months. You'll still get your bonus episodes. Yeah, we're still going to pump those out. So you'll have at least one episode uh, during the gap to look forward to in the month. And... I think we'll do our best to make sure that they're nice and juicy for you because it's going to be a little bit dry for the next two. uh, Yeah. And then we'll be back with season two during the new year and hopefully have some new equipment. Maybe jazz up the space. We'll jazz up the space. (laughs) We'll fix things up with the walls here. So you're not just hearing me like bounce off of uh, all the four blank walls (laughs) in this box. Uh, but yeah, we're going to do our best to make sure that we're coming back with a superior product. So mm-hmm. look forward to that. Uh, in fact, you might actually hear some changes as we move through October. October. Yep. But thank you so much. We appreciate it. And, you know, once we come back from the break, we are looking forward to another 
great year. Another 10 years. Another 20. <laughs> Our podcast is going to be cool in 20 years. <laughs> Everyone's just going to be like slotting in their podcast. They're not actually going to listen to them. It's going to be great because it's just going to be a lot of people like, you know, you'll have your latest Doughboys podcast and notch it behind is you. Is it going to go, be like, <laughs> and then that's is it, it. going to be like hit clips? Oh my God. I forgot about hit clips. <laughs> What a terrible idea. Yeah, you want to hear 30 seconds of a song? <laughs> or you could even get like the upgraded ones where it's like actually the three minutes of the whole song. It's like, yeah, it's like, but I have a hundred of these keychains. Get a CD. Yeah, get or a fucking a tape. CD. Like, oh my God. Vinyl. <laughs> long pay, play. Like something. You're not saving Get space a Walkman. Yep. That's where we're going to. Here's my advice. Just get a Walkman. Yeah, today... Just get a Walkman. Yep. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You can reach out to us on our Twitter at HGHPod or on our Instagram at Homegrown Horror Pod. We hope to see you again soon.